Muslim Radio Weekly is sponsored by Shawarma Press, authentic shawarma and Mediterranean food with new locations near you. Visit shawarmapress.com and Greenvine Market in Plano, providing customers with a flavorful shopping experience in a vibrant atmosphere. Learn more at greenvinemarket.com. Muslim Radio Weekly on Radio Azad. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to Muslim Radio Weekly on Radio Wazad. My name is Kendon Mustaqim Dean. You can call me KM Dean. And I am your host for today's show. Alhamdulillah, it is a blessing to be here with you again on this Sunday morning. And we have a good show planned for you today. We've got segments. Peace between us. Recitations, Speaking the Truth with Brother Richard, and Did You Know? Let's start off with the segment, Peace Between Us. It's time to learn, it's time to change, so we can finally have peace between us. I know everyone out there is feeling uneasy with the war going on in Ukraine. Putin is unpredictable. The message I have for you, my dear listeners, is offer your prayers for peace and don't watch too much news. We can't control what is going on or what will or will not happen. It is in Allah's hands. We may not be able to make peace between Russia and Ukraine, but we can make peace between those around us, those who are in our lives. Let's hear from Imam Jiasi McKenzie how Islam teaches us to do this. Bismillah walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. First of all, I would like to remind myself, as well as the listeners, that holding grudges, having jealousy, having animosity and enmity between others are things that we should stay far away from. These are vices and they are destructive. They destroy communities as well as individuals. And there are just two pieces of information that I would like to give in order for us to have peace with one another and peace with, with, with ourselves. And that is number one, giving the other the benefit of the doubt. We always should try to stay away from suspicion, to stay away from having bad thoughts and give our brother and sister the benefit of the doubt. Number two, and this is also uh, difficult, and that is that we should try to repel evil, repel the harm that we receive with good. And Allah tells us in Surah Fusilat, Allah tells us, repel evil with that which is better, meaning good. And just before that, Allah says, لا تستوي الحسنة ولا السيئة and not equal are the good and the bad. <laughs> so evil and good are not equal. Repel evil with good. And then Allah says, فَإِذَا الَّذِي بَيْنَكَ وَبَيْنَهُ عَدَاوَةٌ كَأَنَّهُ وَلِيٌّ حَمِيمٌ And Allah continues by saying that if you are able to do this, repel evil with good, you will find that the one you have enmity towards or the ones you have in conflict with, it will be as if he is a devoted friend, a bosom buddy. So amazingly, this is something that we should try to do uh, because if we do it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us that we will um, have success, we'll have, we'll create peace, we'll p create peace with, within ourselves and we'll create a uh, a good relationship. But Allah tells us to be patient. But this doesn't happen except for those 
who are patient. Lastly, I would like to remind us of the importance of showing mercy to one another, especially during times of conflict and problems. The Prophet tells us in an authentic hadith collected by Imam Tirmidhi, the merciful ones will be shown mercy by the most merciful. Be merciful to those on earth and the one in the heavens will have mercy upon you. Beautiful hadith encouraging us to have mercy. So if we show mercy, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the most merciful, will have mercy on us. Additionally, the Prophet tells us in a hadith that's collected by both Imam al-Bukhari and Imam al-Muslim, Allah will not be merciful to those who are not merciful to others. So here we are told about the importance of showing mercy, that if we do not show mercy, to people and to others, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not show mercy to us. May Allah grant us success in this world and the hereafter. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Peace between us. Mercy. Mercy is one thing that can make peace between anyone if it is employed by both sides. It can make peace between Russia and Ukraine between Israel and Palestine, Republicans and Democrats, between blacks and whites, husbands and wives, between haves and have-nots, if they all would just follow a simple plan. It's a simple plan. For a complicated problem, a few simple steps that we can try. If we could just stop, take a step back and look again, Try to see through eyes of mercy and begin again. We can find our way to peace with a simple plan. It's a simple Five years in business, Shawarma Press is the go-to place for authentic shawarma and Mediterranean food that looks great and tastes amazing. Visit shawarmapress.com for more information.
Green Vine Market, your one-stop shop halal supermarket and cafe, serving up quality with integrity. Shop custom Davia halal cuts, grains, nuts, spices, specialty oils, fresh produce, as well as bakery goods. Green Vine Market has the everyday items you love, as well as hand-picked Mediterranean and Indo-Pak products to add some flavor to your routine. Enjoy their handcrafted tea and coffee from their coffee bar and order some delicious food from around the world at their cafe. Visit them at 1804K Avenue in Plano or order online via their app or greenvinemarket.com for delivery or curbside pickup. Muslim Radio Weekly. This is KM Dean with Muslim Radio Weekly. Now it's time for our segment featuring our wonderful holy book, the Holy Qur'an. It's time for recitations. Recitations from the Holy Qur'an. Let's hear a discussion about recitations between myself and Imam Muhammad al-Darsani. Assalamu alaikum, Imam. How are you? Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Alhamdulillah, I'm doing well. I hope you are doing fine also. Yeah, we're doing much better here this week. Uh, we have a, uh, a lot better weather. It's a lot more warm uh, today. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Happy for that. So today I wanted to get your feedback on something that I've been working on. Uh, and yeah. actually it's related to our discussion discussion last week when you did such a wonderful job of explaining some background on the Quran and it was really helpful I believe to uh, a lot of the, the listeners I know it was for me for that well yeah by the way also listeners you can uh, hear our entire discussion by downloading our Muslim radio podcast. You could download that wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, it's a great discussion. It's like almost an hour long, uh, but it's great uh, Ramadan prep, you know. Uh, so you can check that. I do suggest to go back and, and, and listen to that. And basically, you know, what I was trying to, to push in that discussion was finding ways to present the Quran to people who are not active with or engaged in, in the study of the Quran, you know, with the busy life and whatnot, trying to, uh, you know, bring it to them. Mm -hmm. you know, finding easier ways for them to connect with it. And, and you know, so, so what I was trying to say is that, you know, okay, we're we're doing this multimedia, entertainment media, talk radio, uh, short segments and bits. So how can we bring the Quran to people who who listen to our shows and mm -hmm. to our broadcasts? And uh, so I have I have something that I want to share with you, and it's based on one thing that you had said. You mentioned, and maybe you can refresh our memory on this. You were saying that the that the Quran is, you know, for the righteous and then also for all humanity, even though it is in Arabic, that it is made in such a way that it can be translated to other languages and people can get the gist of it, you know, through right. it can. Yes, a uh, good translation can get the gist of it and people can get the message clearly because the Quran clearly says this message is for all mankind we don't expect all mankind to speak the Arabic language therefore uh, good translations should be provided to all people and after they receive the message and they believe they, get, they can pursue the Arabic text and understanding the Arabic language and eventually hopefully the majority of people will speak it but is it mandatory 
to deliver the message? No, it is mandatory for somebody who accepts the message to be fluent in Arabic? Absolutely not. We see many nations now who became Muslim and they are still holding to their original language and what they use of the Quran, a few bits and pieces to help them with their prayer, but they can refer to the Quran or to a good translation of the Quran in their own language. Alhamdulillah. Uh, yes. That's great. It's a, it's a relief to a lot of people who don't know that. And, you know... So, well, a lot of people have an anxiety over that, yeah. honestly. And it, it is, it's just an obstacle so for some people to accept the message. And, and they're intimidated, you know, really. Correct. By the Arabic, because Arabic is not easy. That's, it's a very advanced language, and uh, it can be intimidating to people. Um, so that's why a good translation of, you know, various verses and is, is what I feel that I can provide um, through, you know, the skills and, that I have of, of, you know, speaking and, and using my voice. So I want to play this sample for you without mm -hmm. further ado and just let me know what you think. Okay. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والتين والزيتون وطور سينين وهذا البلد لقد خلقنا الإنسان في أحسن تقويم ثم رددناه أسفل سافلين إلا الذين آمنوا With the name of Allah, the most merciful, the most rewarding By the fig and the olive and the Mount Sinai and the safe city we created the human being in the most perfect upright form then we brought him back to the lowest of the low except for those who believed and did good deeds for them is a non-ending reward then what is making you deny judgment after all of this isn't Allah the best of judges so beautiful beautiful Alhamdulillah. Very nice. Imam, you know, I've been wanting to do that for a very, very long time. Like, I got this idea when I was traveling in, in uh, Egypt back in 1997. Mm -hmm. And when I, when I was listening to one... Like of, 25 years ago. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I was listening to one of the... Uh, great uh you know reciters over there and i said you know what why not vocalize not sing but vocalize 
the English and in kind of the same tone that the Arabic is. And I had asked one of the, you know, uh, brothers there and he said, well, you know, it's, it's not the Quran. So it's not like you're singing the Quran or, you know, it's a translation. Correct. So what do you think about that? Well, in your opinion, what, is there anything well, you see well, a problem with this or? No, certainly not. Absolutely not. Vocalizing it is a good idea, I believe, especially when it comes from somebody like yourself. You're an artist, you're a vocalist yourself, and you are familiar also with the Western taste. See, the Arabic vocalization of the Quran, it may resonate very well with the Arabs and yeah. those people who listen from early childhood to the tunes of the Arabic recitation. Yes. For the Westerner, it might be uh, difficult to relate to that style. But when it comes from a Westerner who can vocalize the translation, in fact, it adds a good effect to it. And uh, vocalizing the Quran is something happened during the Prophet, may peace be upon him. Uh, there are reports that say the Prophet used to enjoy listening to some of his companions reciting the Quran in their own way, basically vocalizing the Quran and putting a tune into it. And a lot of times he used to cry and he used to ask the reciter to continue because he enjoyed it. So if he can bring that to the Westerner who's a Muslim, and yeah. he wants to enjoy the Quran vocally. Why not? It's a good idea, I believe. I'm glad to hear that because it's something that I wanted to do for a long time. And, and you know, so now I can do some more, produce some more. And you know what? A funny thing, Imam, that happened is it was a surprise that, you know, once I started listening to myself uh, vocalizing this uh, surat surat teen, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that's the surah that it is. Correct. The the, the fig, right? Correct. And the chapter. Chapter, and before listening over and over to it, I could I've I've had a hard time memorizing the English translation. Hmm. This actually has helped me memorize the English translation. <laughs> <laughs> well, which is like it's not a secret, brother. How do they teach kids by memorizing rhymes? <laughs> yes. A lot of our Islamic schools, they are producing hufad, right? Kids that memorize the entire Quran, but right. I have proof that I went to a, 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 I was a guest at a school once and I asked them, you know, in an assembly, a morning assembly, I asked if there's anyone that could uh, tell me, you know, the English meaning of Surat al-Asr, right? Because uh -huh. that Surah right there is ideal for if you're in a situation, uh, a non-Muslim or, you know, comes up to you and says, hey, uh, you know, I heard your Quran is a very interesting book. Can, can you just tell me just one short chapter? Can you give me a sample of what, what it's about or, you know, <laughs> right? Right. So right. If, if he was going to recite that, he'll be able to recite uh, the Arabic, but he, he would not. And the proof is I asked these kids, there were about 200 of them. Okay. And they mm -hmm. all study the Quran. All the, these are all the way up to high school, brother. Not one of them raised their hands to they could to be able to recite uh, the translation. Recite the translation. See, it's like oh, yes. nobody's ever heard of that concept. You know, recite the translation. Oh, oh what does that mean? <laughs> I I see what you mean, you and and saying? this is a great, great. So really, so they. There's a need there for them to be able to recite the translation. Muslim Radio Weekly. Shawarma Press.
With more than five years in business, Shawarma Press is the go-to place for authentic shawarma and Mediterranean food that looks great and tastes amazing. Visit shawarmapress.com for more information. Greenvine Market, your one-stop shop halal supermarket and cafe, serving up quality with integrity. Shop custom Davia halal cuts, grains, nuts, spices, specialty oils, fresh produce, as well as bakery goods. Greenvine Market has the everyday items you love, as well as hand-picked Mediterranean and Indo-Pak products to add some flavor to your routine. Enjoy their handcrafted tea and coffee from their coffee bar and order some delicious food from around the world at their cafe. Visit them at 1804 K Avenue in Plano or order online via their app or greenvinemarket.com for delivery or curbside pickup. Muslim Radio Weekly Recitations from the Holy Quran. There's a need there for them to be able to recite the translation because Correct. a lot of those kids also they know Juzama, but they have they they cannot they don't know the meaning of you know what they've memorized. They don't That's know true. so so to be able to say, you know, by the fig by the Mount Sinai, by the safe city, uh, verily the human being, we've created the human being in the most perfect upright form. Then we brought him back to the lowest of the low, except for those who believe and do good deeds. For them is a non-ending reward. So what is making you- See, it sounds judgment? beautiful. What is making it really you does. judgment after all of this isn't Allah the best of judges. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. It, sounds, I, it sounds excellent. Yeah, but what, what helped me be able to do that? It's stuck in my mind because I listened to the English recitation vocalization. Anyway, so, um, so now, before I let you go, uh, can you just tell us, give us some meaning about this surah? What is important for us to understand about this? Some of the lines. What to take out of this surah, really? Yes, the Quran is a marvelous book. But here is a surah, very short, few verses, that turns our attention again and again and again, as the Quran does in many places, to contemplate about ourselves again. لَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي أَحْسَنِ تَقْوِيلِ Verily, we have created man in the best of form. The best, أحسن. Okay? Now, the specialist of mankind who study biology and study the human being and the anatomy of the human being and how this marvelous parts put together in a miraculous way. They work in sync, in concert. And on top of that, that software that installed in us, that allow us to think and create the best can ever be done to any creation. Wow. And we verily created man in the best of forms. And then we returned him to the lowest of low. Except now the Quran comes again to remind you. You want to stay in the best situation, in the best state in the best of the best in this creation, believe and do righteousness. <laughs> and, the, yes. and, this, and this is a message for anyone to, that anyone can benefit from and, and reflect upon. See, those type of verses, by the way, and statements made by the Quran would distinguish yeah. this last revelation 
yeah. from the earlier one, the Old and New Testaments. This is the last testament. Wow. It distinguishes this last revelation from the rest. Yeah. I read the Bible. I read a lot in the Torah. You don't have a lot of concentration on the contemplation and what we call tadabbur, thinking about what the verse says in yeah. terms of your own selves and the surrounding world. In the Quran, that in this the Quran does that. This is a perfect example where the the human being could be the best, and he could also be the worst. Absolutely. So, how to avoid being the worst? Believe and do good deeds. Absolutely. Recitations from the Holy Quran. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, we're speaking the truth. Brother Richard, assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam, brother KM. What's happening? Just doing the show, bro. What's on your mind? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you something, brother. African Americans, sure enough, always get the short end of the stick. What exactly do you mean, brother Richard? Can you give me an example? Here it is. Why is it that out of all the months they could have given us to celebrate black history, they went and gave us the month of February? The shortest month of the year. <laughs> That's right. My daddy used to say the same thing. Now, three days don't seem like much, but after they done took so much from us, being shorted those three days just means more disrespect. You speak the truth, Brother Richard. Always. Well, you know what? What's that? I got an idea. On this show, I'm going to extend Black History Month. Go on, Brother KM. I'm going to play a segment of Did You Know that Sister Nazi completed on the last day of Black History Month and didn't get a chance to include it in our Sunday show. There you go, brother. Allahu Akbar. And I bet sister's going to talk about some African-American Muslims in history, right? Yep. Here's Sister Nazi with a special Black History Month edition of Did You Know? Did you know? Did you know? Did you know? Assalamu alaikum. Sister Nazi here with a special episode of Did You Know for Black History Month. Black History Month is a time to remember those people in history who are not typically recognized for their contributions or the struggles that they endured for the benefits of future generations. No one can dispute the contributions of these enslaved people to the establishment of our country. The roads, infrastructure, agriculture, and commerce of our country was built on the backs of the enslaved. While the lives of these people are not well documented, we do know that estimates of up to about a third of these people came from areas of Africa with a strong Islamic presence and culture. Join me as we explore the lives of some enslaved Muslims and the struggles they endured to preserve their faith in such harsh conditions. Listen closely because there will be a quiz at the end of the episode. I think you will be surprised by the diverse experiences of these enslaved people. The first story is one of exploration. Europeans wrongly take credit for the discovery of American lands, and their exploration led to the exploitation of, of Native Americans. To make things even more complicated, they also took credit for the work and talents of their enslaved. The first story is about the first non-Native to discover New Mexico. And guess what? He's a Muslim. Here you go. Did you know, did you know, did you know? Did you know that New Mexico was discovered by a Muslim? While some give credit to Francisco Vasquez de Carnado, many others would also agree that it was actually his slave, Estebanico, who led the way. So what was a Muslim doing in New Mexico in the early 1500s? 
fact? Well, it all goes back to the quest to make the legend of the seven cities of Cibola a reality. This legend was first recorded by a Muslim scholar and historian named Al-Idrisi. The legend had it that hundreds of years earlier, when Spain was ruled by Muslims, seven bishops decided to escape Muslim rule by setting sail to establish new rule in a faraway land. No one knew what became of these seven bishops until some Muslim explorers called the Mugharrimun or the adventurers reported that they had found the bishops during their travels. They reported that the bishops had established seven cities in Antilia, a land that had an abundance of gold. In 1526, a Spaniard named Andres Dorantes, along with several hundred prospectors, set sail from Cuba to Florida in hopes to find the riches of the cities of Cibola. Among his crew was his slave, Mustafa Zamuri, who was forced to take a Christian name, Estebanico, when he was sold to the Spaniard explorer. When the crew reached Florida, their ship wrecked in the Gulf of Mexico near what is now Tampa. They thought at first to hike on foot, but decided instead to sail along the coast on rafts. Only 80 men survived by the time they landed near what is now Galveston, Texas. There they were captured by some Native Americans. Four of them were eventually able to escape and make friends with another tribe who taught Estebanico to be a medicine man. They gave him a medicine rattlestick and a beaded and feathered gourd for good luck on his travels. Estebanico learned to amaze native tribes that he encountered by convincing him that he was a medicine man. It was said that he learned at least six native languages. His uncanny ability to win the Native Americans over helped him lead the other three back to Mexico to tell the tale of their travels. The Viceroy of Mexico was so impressed that he sent Estebanico to lead another group of explorers to what is now Albuquerque, where he thought the gold surely lay. Just as he got there, Estebanico was captured by the Zuni Indians and killed. But some say he may have faked his death in order to escape slavery. Today, some regard Estebanico as the first true African-American and perhaps one of the first American Muslims as well. Did you know, did you know, did you know? The next story for you today is about an enslaved person who became a celebrity. Urban legends had it that he was the oldest person that had ever lived and that he attracted so much attention that two famous artists painted his portrait which is very uncommon for an enslaved person at that time. Listen carefully and learn about Yara Mahmud. Did you know, did you know, did you know? Did you know that one of colonial Georgetown's greatest celebrities was a black Muslim? Yara Mahmud bought his freedom from slavery and became a wealthy investor in Georgetown during the colonial period. He gained celebrity status because people thought that he was the oldest man that ever lived. Yaro Mahmud arrived in Annapolis, Maryland from Senegal, Gambia in 1752 on a ship called the Elijah when he was about 14 years old. According to several descriptions, Mahmud had a number of skills but spent most of his life as a body servant to Samuel Beale Jr., one of the wealthiest businessmen in Maryland. After Beale's death, he became the body servant to several of Beale's descendants. A body servant would accompany his master to help him with any number of tasks, making several arrangements for his master's travels and helping him with any number of errands. As a personal body servant for Samuel Bill, Mahmoud was likely privy to several large-scale business dealings with several important investors, including George Washington and George Mason. 
In fact, he probably met George Washington while living at the home of Brooke Bill, one of Samuel Bill's sons. After 45 years of slavery, Mahmoud was manumitted or legally freed because of a stipulation in Brooke Bill's will which said that Mahmoud would be freed if he could make enough bricks to build a house. Mahmoud accomplished this feat and set out to make a better life for himself. He worked hard doing odd jobs and was eventually able to purchase the freedom of his son as well. Mahmoud was an avid investor of his money. As a freed man, he lost his savings twice because he trusted merchants that went bankrupt. After recovering from these two setbacks, he purchased shares in the Columbia Bank of Georgetown, which was established by Alexander Hamilton. Mahmoud's devotion to Islam was documented through the notes of the artists that painted his portraits. In the colonial days, only the wealthiest people had their portraits painted. However, artists sought out Yara Mahmoud to paint his portrait because they were intrigued by his celebrity status in Georgetown as the oldest man that had ever lived. Charles Wilson Peel, one of the artists, said that Yara Mahmoud was known to, quote, profess to be a Mohammedan and is often seen and heard in the streets singing the praises of God and conversing with him. He said, quote, Acquaintances of the Mohammedan would banter about him eating and drinking whiskey, but Yara would say it is no good to eat hog and to drink whiskey is very bad. Peel attributed Mahmoud's longevity to his strong religious beliefs and his good temperament. In 2014, hundreds of years after his death, Muslims in Georgetown honored Mahmoud by doing a janazah prayer on the spot where his home once stood. Did you know, did you know, did you know? The next story is about the first Muslim American scholar and great leader. He was able to guide several other enslaved to Islam and protect their rights to practice their religion while living in enslaved conditions. More than just a spiritual leader, he led his people to safety from war and from hurricanes as well. Listen carefully to learn more about this great leader in black history. Did you know, did you know, did you know? Did you know that the first American Muslim scholar was also a hero of the War of 1812? Do you have a favorite American Muslim scholar? Maybe it's Hamza Yusuf, Yasser Ghadi, Omar Suleiman, Zaid Shakir, or Dalia Magahid? Well, they follow a long tradition of American Muslim scholars that go all the way back to the 1800s. That's right. The first American Muslim scholar was Bilali Muhammad a slave who lived on Sapello Island, one of the barrier islands on the eastern shore. Bilali Muhammad and the other slaves on the barrier islands developed a unique African-American culture that resulted from rich African traditions practiced in a new American home. People referred to these slaves as the Gula Geechee. You may be more familiar with the Gula culture than you think. Have you ever heard of the song, Kumbaya, my lord, kumbaya? That song is sung in the Gula language, a mixture of English and an African language called Fula. Maybe you've eaten gumbo and thought it was Cajun, but no, it's really Gula. Now Thomas Spaulding, who owned Sapello Island, disliked slavery, but found it to be necessary for his time. So he guaranteed his slaves they would, they would not be asked to perform more than six hours of hard labor a day. He allowed them to keep their own names, practice their own religions, and speak their own languages. Interestingly enough, he placed Bilali Muhammad, a slave himself, as the overseer of the other slaves. Bilali Muhammad and his wife Phoebe practiced Islam along with their seven daughters who also lived on the island. 
Their sons were sent to work on nearby islands. Perhaps you've heard of the Uncle Remus stories of Br'er Rabbit? Well, Uncle Remus was one of Balali Muhammad's sons. Balali taught other slaves on the island to pray five times a day, fast in Ramadan, and make dhikr. Unlike most slaves, he could read and write, but he wrote in a mixture of Fula and Arabic. His writings, which became known as the Bilali documents, taught the slaves tafsir, Quran, hadith, and simple rituals like how to call the adhan. When Thomas Spalding had to leave the island to help defend America from the British in the War of 1812, he trusted Bilali Muhammad so much that he left him with that he left him and his followers armed with muskets to defend the island. The British attempted to attack the U.S. from Sapello Island, but when they saw Bilali and his men armed with muskets, they turned away. When asked about the invasion, Bilali Muhammad reported to Spalding that he was only motivated to defend the Muslims of the island. Today, many of the descendants of Bilali Muhammad have the name Bailey, which is a shorter way of saying Bilali. Today, the Gula have such a strong tradition that in the year 2000, they elected a chiefess and declared their own nation. During the 2020 election, Beto O'Rourke raised controversy when he recognized the Gula nation by paying them a visit. So the next time you listen to your favorite American Muslim scholar, remember the bravery of the first of all of them, Bilali Muhammad. Did you know, did you know, did you know? Okay, I hope you are listening. Time for the quiz. Question one. Which state was explored by a Muslim? Is it New York? Is it Florida? Or is it New Mexico? Again, which state was explored by a Muslim? A, New York. B, Florida. Or C, New Mexico. And the answer is... C. New Mexico. Question 2. In which city in the American colonies was an American Muslim to become a celebrity for being the oldest man that had ever lived? In which city in the American colonies was a Muslim a celebrity for being the oldest man that had ever lived? Was it A. Boston? B, Georgetown, or C, Jamestown? Again, A, Boston, B, Georgetown, or C, Jamestown? And the answer is B, Georgetown. Question three. In which American war did Muslim enslaved person defend American lands and become the hero for his leadership? In which American war did a Muslim enslaved person defend American lands and become a hero for his leadership? Is it A, the War of 1812, B, the Barbary Wars, or C, the Revolutionary War? Again, A, the War of 1812, B, the Barbary Wars, or C, the Revolutionary War? And the answer is A, the War of 1812. Good job if you got them all right. Be sure to share these stories with your friends. I'm Nazi Paderov, and I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Jazakumullah Khairan to our sponsors. Check out their websites greenvinemarket.com, and shawarmapress.com, and to our producers and contributors. If you would like to support Muslim Radio Weekly or our 24-7 broadcast, Muslim Radio Dallas, visit muslimradiodallas.com for your tax-deductible donation. And let's close out the program with a simple plan. This is K.M. Dean with Muslim Radio Weekly on Radio Azad. Assalamu alaikum. It's a simple plan for a comp-
See 